Hey, good morning, One Chapel. We are so thrilled that you're here. I hope you've enjoyed the morning so far. Uh, whether you're part of one of our regional campuses here, uh, we're glad that you're with us online, or maybe online is your campus. We are so thrilled that you're part of this family. Or maybe you're just checking it out. Welcome. So thankful that you've come to worship Jesus with us. I hope you've had a great day. Um, listen, if you're kind of new, do me, do me a favor. Just drop a one in the comments right now. You can spell it, you can write it, just drop a one in the comments. Just We want to be able to say hi and welcome you and make sure you know you're part of the family here and try to make you feel at home as best we can, all right? So do that right now, and I think we're going to have a great day. Hey, let's study the scriptures a little bit. You know, um, when I think about like my childhood and think about how I've grown up, I think that there's something inside of all of us, something inside of each one of us that just wants to be a hero, you know what I'm talking about? Like everybody wants to be a hero when you're growing up. Think about when you're a kid. Who did you always want to be? In fact, if you don't mind, just drop it in the comments. Tell us, what was your heroic figure? Like you'd go and play with your friends. Who were you going to be? Some of you would be Superman. I wore Superman underoos. If you remember what underoos are. Some of, some of you are younger, like what in the world? But I had Superman underoos and I wore them all the time. Just if you're curious, it was basically Superman underwear. But I wore those all the time because I wanted to be Superman. Some of you like Wonder Woman, you know, the bracelets are cool and who doesn't want an invisible jet? I mean, that's amazing. Uh, Batman, some of you were Batman fans and wanted to be Batman. My daughter, she does not like Batman at all. She's like, he's just too angry and he doesn't follow any of the laws when he's taking care of the criminals. <laughs> She's not wrong. If you're of a certain age, maybe you wanted to be the $6 million man. You know, the bionics, uh, I don't understand what they were doing with the $6 million man. And the slow motion meant that he was going fast. I like the sound, but I'd never understood why the slow motion, because a fight just took forever. The whole fight is in slow motion. I just think they didn't think it through. Maybe it was the bionic woman for you, or, or more recent, the Avengers, the Iron Man and Captain America and Thor, Black Widow. Uh, Star Wars is a big for a lot of people and a new generation of fans with people like Ray and a bunch of young girls finding a hero in Star Wars. All right, maybe that's not connecting with you. Maybe you're more of an athlete. So maybe, maybe it's Tom Brady for you. I'm just kidding. A bunch of people just got really mad at me. <laughs> a few people think I'm great. Everybody else got really mad at me. When I was growing up, I remember names like Roger Staubach and, and, and John Elway. Um, for me personally, it was all about Luke Skywalker. Everything was a lightsaber to me. Like I enjoyed Luke Skywalker so much and I wanted to be like him. In fact, even still today, actually, if I'm honest with you, when I go to the grocery store, I still use my fingers to open automatic doors. <laughs> I just do. Um, and another hero as I was growing up was the Karate Kid, you know, and no disrespect to Jaden Smith, but my, Jaden Smith, but my Karate Kid was Daniel LaRusso. You know, I'm talking about wax on, wax off, sand the floor, paint the fence, paint the house, Daniel LaRusso. Crane kicking Daniel LaRusso. That was my guy. Now I'm a little older, a little more jaded, so I like figures like Jack Bauer and maybe Ethan Hunt, I, a little darker perhaps. But here's the thing, Hollywood has capitalized on that desire because we all have it. We all have the desire to be the hero. And so Hollywood makes all kinds of money off of it. Why? Because we want to go see we all want to be that hero. We all want to crane kick the Johnny Lawrences of the world right in the face. Everybody desires that. We want to be notably different. We want to do something that matters, something that makes a difference, something that, that allows us to live a notable life of purpose. 
You know, we've been saying 2020 was notably different than any other year in modern history. And you know the list already. I don't need to remind you about the, the pandemic and the shutdowns and the divisiveness and the politics. I don't have to tell you. But all of those things, they were forced on us. We had to reckon with them and figure out how to deal with them. But 2021 also has the potential to be notably different. But we get the opportunity to choose why. And as a church, that's what we want to do over these next several weeks. And we're going to decide that our discipleship to Jesus is going to be stronger than our cultural formation. So we don't have to be held hostage to everything that happened last year and the anxiety and the fear and the worry and the anger and the hatred. Let's just decide today we're going to be the people of God. That means that our past doesn't have to dictate our future because we serve a God that brings dead things back to life. We can be led by God himself into this year. We've got the scriptures, we've got the Holy Spirit, and we've got the body around us to help us do it. So here's the thing. You and I, we are called to be notably different. I like this word notably because it means in a way that is striking or remarkable. That's what you're called to be. As you follow Jesus, striking and remarkable. It stands out to people the way that you follow Jesus and not because of you, but because Christ is formed in you. So we're gonna spend some time redefining 2021 and who we're gonna be. And that's really the question for us today. Who will I be in 2021? Who am I deciding that I'm gonna be this year? So last week we kicked off this series. We talked about identity. Today, we're gonna talk about an equally important idea and that is our purpose. So every year we do this survey. And we ask people, what do you wanna talk about? Where do you wanna study the scriptures with us as we go through this year? And every year, they're kind of similar. And there's one topic that always lands in the top three. And it's not marriage, it's not finances, it's not the Holy Spirit, it's purpose. But when you bring up purpose, people immediately get really anxious and really nervous, don't they? Like, like I, I don't know, what am I supposed to do? I, I don't know what my purpose is. I mean, what if I miss out on my purpose? Do I even have a purpose? What on earth am I here for? According to one Gallup poll, more than three-fourths of all adults say that they want to make a difference in the world, that they want their lives to have some sort of lasting, positive outcome. But the same poll discovered that more than half of all adults admit they're still trying to understand the meaning and purpose for their lives. So as a result, they're just hoping someday, one day, maybe way out in the future, somehow they're going to make a difference in the world. In other words, what this poll discovered was that most of us want to be the hero, but at least half of us have no idea how that's ever going to happen. Most of us don't know the purpose that God has put inside of us. You know, that purpose that will give your life genuine fulfillment. That purpose that will enable you to make a difference in this world. So today, what I want to do is I want to look at a, a guy in the Bible that seems like he feels just like that. His name is Gideon. A little passage of scripture to tell Gideon's story here. We're gonna go to Judges chapter six. Here's what it says. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east, they would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle, and donkeys. These enemy hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. They arrived on droves of camels, too numerous to count, and they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. 
when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent a prophet to the Israelites and he said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, not Oprah, but Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Here's the thing about Gideon though. Gideon did not feel like the hero. I mean, you look at the story. I don't think he had any idea that God had a purpose for his life. I mean, the guy's hiding from the Midianites in a wine press. Like he's hidden. There's nothing purposeful here. He, he doesn't seem to be making any sort of difference in his life. And God's interaction with Gideon in this story, it is the same one that he's trying to have with you. When you were born, God put some incredible things inside of you. And one of those things is purpose. And he wants you to embrace it, discover it, live into it. And this is essentially what the angel said to Gideon, right? The angel appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I like how Russell Baker, he's a Pulitzer Prize winner, and uh, he talks about this idea. He says, there is a hunger in us for assurance that our lives have not been merely successful, but valuable that we've accomplished something grander than just another well-heeled or well-off, loudly publicized journey from the diaper to the shroud. In short, we wanna know that our lives have been consequential. And this is where our lives intersect with Gideon's life. Like we want to believe it. We wanna believe that our lives matter. We wanna believe that we can make a difference. But most of us don't really get it and understand what God's purpose is for us. And we don't know how God wants to reveal that notable difference to our world. But God has put something inside of you. This knowing you're created for something more than what you're currently experiencing. And you are, you are created for that. Look at Jude verses 20 and 22. But ye beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some, have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Did you notice those words? Like just <laughs> take a look at what he's saying. Have compassion, make a difference, save with fear, pull them out of the fire. Do you know who does all that kind of stuff? It's a hero. It's exactly what we want to be. Everybody, just go make up some tights right now, strap them on, and let's go do this thing. Listen, you were created for something amazing. Look what the Apostle Paul says to the believers in Ephesus here in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11. He says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. So here's the reality for you today. You will never fully discover your purpose outside of your relationship with God. It is the only place where you're gonna find who you're meant to be and what you're called to do. It's in Christ we find those things out. 
And this verse says that God had his eye on you long before you even decided to come to him. And he's got design for you and he's working out overall purpose in everything and he's doing that for everyone. Some of you heard this story about, uh, I've told it before I think, but there's a guy, young guy, long time ago driving a Model T. He's driving down the dirt road and his Model T breaks down. And so he gets out, kind of lifts up the hood on the side and he's looking, checking out the crank and he, he cannot get it to work. He thinks I'm stranded, I gotta walk. Well, just a little while after that, another Model T pulls up, pulls up behind him and an older gentleman gets out, walks around to the front and says, young man, can I help you? And he said, yeah, man, this thing, I don't, I don't know what's up with this thing. I can't figure it out. I can't do it. It won't work. It's busted. And the older man says, well, let me take a look. And he opens up the hood and he looks under, he does a couple things, checks the crank, car starts right up. The young man's in disbelief. I can't believe that you, how, I tried everything I could think of. How did you do that? And the older gentleman said, Hi, my name's Henry Ford. I made that car. I know exactly how it works. You see, this is the deal. God made you. He constructed you. He knows exactly how you're supposed to work. And that's why he's the only place that you're gonna find out what you're meant to do and how you're meant to do it. But no doubt, I don't know the specifics, the details of the purpose that God has given you, but I do know a couple things. I know that you've got a God-given purpose. It is yours. He has plans for you. But I also know that your purpose, it's about people. Your purpose is about people. And this is pretty a big deal to understand because what it means is, is it means your purpose will never be about you. Your purpose will never be about what you want. It'll never be about your promotion, though you might get promoted. It'll never be about achieving fame or fortune, though you might have some of that. It'll never be about uh, experiencing more pleasure or more comfort. You might as you fulfill it, but, but it's not guaranteed. It'll never be about amassing more power, though you might experience power. But your purpose, it's just not about you. Instead, your purpose, it's always about using the resources that God has given you, your skill, your relationships, your experiences, your, your finances, your time, your, your, your intelligence, using all of that to make a positive difference in the lives of others. And I think there's a couple important distinctions here about your purpose. Right, the first is, is that your purpose is not your job. Like it's bigger than that. That's a real American way of thinking. This is my job, so this is my purpose. Now it might be part of fulfilling your purpose. It's just that that's too narrow of a focus. So don't get hung up on that. Your purpose is bigger than your employment. It can't be boiled down to some tasks and some expectations. But the other thing I want you to realize is your purpose, it's not valid only in vocational ministry. And a lot of people think this. But if that was true, it would be limited by your position or your title, your role inside the local church. Your purpose is about much more than what happens inside the church. So, so don't invalidate your purpose by thinking that it has to be determined by a, by a license or a certification or, or any of that. It's bigger than that for you. So Gideon, he's an example of this. He wasn't a professional warrior and Gideon was not a priest. He was unqualified for both of those things. But God's purpose was for him to deliver the Israelites and to lead them into humbly trusting and following God and his ways. Still, I know many of you are you're arguing with me in your head, right? You're, you're thinking, I, I can't do anything. I don't have the education. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the skill. My life is a total mess. It's in shambles. I, I've been abused. I, I, I'm not strong. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can barely help myself. Or maybe I'm just so busy right now. I got so many things going on with my career and my family, my spouse. I got no time. I got no energy. 
Or maybe you're arguing with me and saying, no, I'm just not interested, frankly. I don't want to help other people. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. I got to look out for this guy. Well, if you're saying that today, I want you to know you're in good company. And I think this was Gideon's response too in Judges chapter 6, verse 12. He says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? I mean, didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how, how can I rescue Israel? My, my clan, it's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. See, Gideon believed the same lies that you and I do. He had the exact same excuses. My clan is the weakest. I'm the runt of the family. I mean, look at me. I'm so weak and pathetic. And we do the same thing. I'm not good enough to do this. I can't do this. But did you see what God said? God said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel. And this is important because this means take the little that you have because I'm going to give you everything else that you need. Take the little you have, I'm going to give you strength, and I am sending you, and that's going to be enough. The same is true of you. So look, at the risk of possibly offending you, when we believe these kinds of lies and these excuses, honestly, it's a little arrogant. Oh man, you're offended. You're mad. I'm so sorry. Listen, I just want you to, here's the thing. All those statements, I can't, I don't, I'll never, they expose that you probably believe one of two lies. You think that you're fixated on only what you can do in your own strength. That's it. That's all I got. I can only do what I can do. And you're forgetting the power and presence of God. Or it might be that you believe the only way to maximize your life is to focus on and to take care of you. That means if you choose to hold on to those lies and excuses, essentially you believe living a successful life, well, that's about who you see yourself to be about what you are able to do under your own natural strength and gifts and talents and abilities. When, when you feel ready to do something great, well, congratulations, man. You just became your own little hero. Just not the hero that God envisions you to be and he's enabled you to be. I think what we're doing is we're making, we're making ourselves to be just too big in this equation and we're making God out to be a little too small, forgetting who he is. We're so quick to settle for those weak excuses about our inabilities and our, our lack of experience, our fear and busyness and my personal needs. But listen, that's all just distraction from the truth. Don't settle for the weak excuses and don't give in to the lies. Because just like God did with Gideon, God comes along and he says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. He's saying that to you today. What's notably different about who we are as followers of, followers of Jesus, it's not just that we've got a purpose from God or that our purpose always has to do with others. It's also that the Lord is empowering and working through our lives, through his spirit in order to fulfill his good purpose that he's given to us. Look at what God said to Gideon now when he complained about being unqualified. In Judges uh, chapter six, uh, verse 16, the Lord said, said to him, I will be with you. And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Gideon replied, if you're truly going to help me, show me a sign to prove that it really is the Lord speaking to me. The Lord 
is with you. This is what he's saying. I'm gonna be with you. Even still, Gideon, he's so insecure and he's wondering, is God gonna be able to help me out or not? I mean, is this gonna happen? And he's asking for a sign, but actually he spends the next several days asking God for more signs. So some will say, well, Gideon, man, he was, he was weak. He was too insecure. He was doubtful. He was fearful and unsure. Surely he disqualified himself. But I think that Gideon was just a guy who was asked to do something so big, so undoable, so beyond his capabilities that he wasn't gonna try unless he knew God is with me. Unless God is with me tangibly and genuinely and practically believing and knowing that he would be there. So if you're starting to think to yourself, wait a minute, wait a minute, this Gideon guy, he kind of sounds like me. Well, you're starting to get the point of the story. By the way, uh, by the way, God gives him all the signs that he asked for <laughs> because God didn't expect him to be something that he wasn't. God wasn't expecting him to have all the answers or be the great man of faith yet. He just met Gideon where he was. So this verse also has a significant promise, right? It says, I will be with you. You'll destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. This was the promise. This is how Gideon could step into it. So Look what happens is, as he starts actually doing it, stepping into the purpose to deliver God's people and lead them into trusting God. You find it in Judges chapter seven. The armies of Midian, they were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Mori. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all you fight the Midianites, the Israelites are gonna boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. So a lot of you know the story, what happens here. God says, hey, if the guys are afraid, just tell them they can go home. It's fine. And so I think about 22,000 guys, they just go home and leave Gideon's army. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm Gideon, I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? What is happening here? So then God says, yeah, yeah, it's still not enough. So send the guys home who are so thirsty that they stop paying attention. So Gideon goes from like 32,000 men or so down to 10,000 men, down to only 300 men. That's all he's got left to do what God has called him to do. And then in verse seven, it says, the Lord told Gideon with these 300 men, I will rescue you. I will give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. What's God doing? He's just making sure that everyone knows that Israel knows that God is with Gideon. The Lord wants the Israelites to know he's with them and he's gonna be the one that's gonna do this. In fact, if you read the rest of the story, he did do this and he delivers Israel through Gideon's hand and these 300 men. He's just making sure everybody knows how notably different he is and how notably different they are. You know, I think the Apostle Paul explains this really clearly in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And it says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, this great thing from God shining in our hearts. But we ourselves, we're like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and it's not from us. Listen, you are notably different because your purpose, it's bigger than your ability to accomplish it. That's what this verse is saying. And what is this purpose? It's the most extraordinary purpose that there is. That regardless of your family of origin, regardless of, uh, of your social standing, your economic status, no matter what you think your abilities or your, your skills are, or your talents, regardless of where you are or where you go, you have this great purpose from God 
to be a light in this world, to shine that light, to reveal to Jesus, to people around you, whose spirit is working in you with power and authority. So really, what I want you to know today is, is that your purpose is notably different because it's about revealing Jesus. Like at the end of the day, you can bank on this and it's accomplished through your weakness and your frailty. It's not through your skills or your gifts or talents so that everyone will know it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. It's about God's power. It's about God's love. It's about God's purposes being revealed. What sets our purpose apart from everybody else's, that light that 2 Corinthians talked about, like that, that light, that treasure, it's placed in this fragile and broken jar of clay. It's okay. So that everyone will know the great power that God gives us to accomplish our purpose. It comes solely from him, not from us. Louis Giglio is an author and pastor. He said in a book called I Am Not But I Know I Am, he sums it up for us by saying this. The story, it already has a star. And the star's not you or me, it's him. But he's called you to have a purpose. You get to play a supporting role in the story. And that, everybody, is incredibly exciting. So, if you're gonna make 2021 a notably different year, I just want you to cut yourself some slack. Don't get so hung up on the specifics of your purpose. What am I doing? What am I doing? Don't worry so much about that. Just remember that you can't find God's purpose for you outside of a relationship with him. Remember that your purpose is not about you, it's about other people. Remember that it's your purpose, it's bigger than your ability to, accomplishment, to accomplish it, and that's a good thing. And that purpose is just to reveal Jesus to your world, and you can do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we close in prayer today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reality, this truth that you've given to us, that we have purpose directly from you. You've given it to us, you've filled us, you, you've called us. And even though we're weak and frail, and we don't have it all together, you choose us in that state. And you fill us up and you take up our lack and you help us. So God, we're asking today that you would help us to remember this is all about you. And for everybody right there at home or in a car struggling with purpose, I pray that you would begin to reveal yourself to them and their real purpose. That their real purpose, they don't have to worry so much because you're gonna take care of it. As they dig into relationship with you and go deeper, as they realize it's not, about, it's not about them, it's about you. As they realize they have an opportunity every day with family and friends and their career to reveal Jesus to the world. And as that happens, the specifics of purpose start to come clear. God, would you help them to realize that and to walk in it today? You know, maybe today as we're praying, you're far from God and you realize you're lost and you don't have purpose. Maybe you've been trying really hard to please God through your own works. Maybe you have no relationship with him. Maybe you're, you're living a life that's it's just too small uh, with a God that's not big enough. Well, today you need to commit to that greater purpose that God has for you and you can do that. And all it takes is for you to just surrender. If you have no relationship, Jesus has done everything that you need to have a relationship. He's paid for everything for you. And all it takes is for you to surrender your life to him. In fact, I can help you with the words. If you want to, pray something like this. Jesus, I give my life to you. I surrender and I wanna know you. I want my life to be about something bigger than me. 
So would you forgive me for the life that I've been living that's, that's rejected you and been far from you and distant from you? And would you allow me today to come close to you? Forgive me for my sins. Wash them away. The best way I know how, I give you my life today. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. And God, I pray that you would give them courage and strength to take the next steps. Father, reveal purpose to them. And Lord, would you help this family to come alongside and support them. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, everybody.